Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Selva, the CEO at OPSEC Security. And we discuss how OPSEC is able to leverage massive amounts of data to protect brands from bad actors, benefits of being vertically integrated, and encouraging an open culture of communication. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Well, I, I was I, I was born in Malaysia. I came I came here to do my studies and stayed on um, after my PhD. During my PhD, actually, myself and two other lecturers left to set up a company originally funded um, uh, by the city and um, that turned into me buying the company eventually and then selling it on to S. Abloy. Um, and we were, I, I was in, all the way through I was in technology. It was it was either smart cards and sort of the early uh, early days of the smart card technology um, uh, boom, security access control, distributed intelligence, um, as, uh, sensor analysis and, and, and data analysis from sensors. It's those sort of areas I started to get involved in. And, and that's what drove me into technology. And to me, technology was always about what I can bring um, to a customer. It is not about the tech itself. It's about what insights it gives the customer. That's how it's always started. Very cool. So, you know, that, that was my background. And it, it's, it sort of led me into a very interesting path in life, both, both in terms of being an entrepreneur and, and also in terms of developing product and companies of my own that sort of led to, to, to customer value, as it were. Right. What were uh, some of those other companies that you developed? Well, the, the MR Sensors was my original company, and then I worked for um, HID for a while, which is part of the SA Abloy Group. Then I worked for Delarue, and then um, became CEO of OPSEC just before the lockdown, which sort of makes life interesting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That had to be pretty crazy, taking the helm of a company right before such a crazy event. What was That's that right. Like? I mean, it's, 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 it, it, it was, it actually was, I would say, exciting. It was daunting because you're thinking, what am I going to do now? Because there's no playbook here. Yeah. Right? So you depend on your experience. You depend on what you want to do. And remember, companies are about people. So the first thing you do is to say, how would people want to be told what what what, what, what needs to happen? So the first thing that needed to happen, is, happen was calmly organize the company so we're not, we don't impact our customers. So we kept all our factories open during that period. Nothing, we, we agreed we won't let our customers down. We very quickly uh, allowed our, our our employees to go home and work. We, we had to go out and buy hundreds of laptops in, in a hurry to allow people. We had desktops like most companies because we were office bound in many ways. We had to move to laptops in many ways. So it was an organizational challenge, but I had a terrific team and, and our staff were just excellent. They just stood up to that. It was a challenge and, and the focus of the company was always protect our customers. And that's exactly what we did. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with OPSEC because uh, we had Najaf on the podcast a little while ago. So I, I understand uh, to an extent the weight of how important it was for you guys to have business continuity to continue protecting your customers. But can mm -hmm. you give me like a brief overview of what OPSEC does for the listeners that might not know? We are a company that's been around since about 1983. We started off in the OVD area, uh, optical variable devices, which is it, 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 it's 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 fundamentally high security holograms. Got it. 
to originate them, to, to develop them. And then we moved into scientific materials, materials that I use to sort of secure and authenticate something. Right. So that started being applied to many, many areas, including brand. So what we started to do was to authenticate uh, a product, a, a garment, for instance, and then allow the, the, the licensee to sort of track that from the factory all the way to the end user. So we, we, we have a big brand presence in that particular area. We help with uh, automotive car parts, for instance, um, to, to identify and validate that they're, they're not counterfeits. So we got into those markets very early on, and that sort of drove the behavior that, that we brought about. One, we, have, we tend to be very customer-centric, which is what excited me and, and, and attracted me to the company. They're very customer-centric. To me, it is all about the customer. So that's the piece we focused on. Um, we also are vertically integrated. So fundamentally, we manufacture the product, we print and, and have the ability to track and trace it. So all the software solutions are ours. We then have online brand protection with the acquisition of Mark Monitor last January to allow us to track fraudulent products on the web and take down sites that are selling fraudulent products. We also have complementary services such as fraud, where we look at phishing attacks using a brand name and, and block those. We have live video on demand and, and, and peer to peer um, monitoring services that allow, allow us to fingerprint and watermark live streams and sort of block these real time where necessary. So it, it's, 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 it's something that protects a customer's IP in many, many ways, in a 360 manner, both on product and online. So working in so many different verticals, you're the CEO, you're overseeing everything. How do you manage the complexity of, of all of that? Actually, it sounds complex, but it isn't. Because fundamentally, if you look at what we do, this, the, 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 the business is divided up with some very capable leaders that are driving um, both businesses, the, the online and the on product, and they work together to drive behavior. So I'm overseeing a, a very capable team in the first instance. Secondly, one of the advantages we have with 360 is that we're vertically integrated. Modern supply chains are enormously complex, and there's no standard model that fits all. So because we're vertically integrated, we manufacture the product, the, 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 the tags, the authentication product, the, the validation methods, the consumer uh, track, track and trace methods, the mobile phone apps that, that sort of validate all of this. It gives us that enormous amount of flexibility to tailor the requirement to a large enterprise uh, supply chain requirements. That makes sense. So it becomes a very integrated delivery to demanding customers. And we become partners, we become strategic alliances, we become part of their supply chain logistics. Because the technologies involved with protecting digital and physical assets are, I'm sure, vastly different. So how do you make sure that these technologies work together and become more than a sum of their parts? That, that, I think you've, you've phrased it very well. You know, how do we become more than the sum of its parts. It's it's fundamentally how they work together. It's how it's perceived externally. So if I if I look at the products that we make, if you look look at the hang tags, the OVDs, what each of them have their own characteristics. We then tie it back to a value proposition, and we have a very capable product management team that looks at the solution as a whole. And, and as I said before, our focus has always been what's the customer's perspective, where is their value, fundamentally. Where we bring value is whilst we do all of these things ground up, 
right? And we allow them to track and trace. We collect an enormous amount of data. It is how do we present this data in a sensible manner and take action on it and allow our customers to take action on it, which is driving the technology forefronts that we look at. So to do that, we have whole teams that work on, on material science you know, from tagons down to glues, down to um, security falls, down to uh, how to originate a hologram and how how you put it down, how you use UV UV inks to sort of protect something. How do you put in covert markings and overt markings on, on, on devices to sort of bring it through? How do you validate it using a mobile phone? How do you then feed that back into the cloud? And the whole thing becomes a solution that is integrated and flexible. Wow, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yes, that, that, that is a lot. And, and, and that then ties into, as you get into the data realm, you then start to talk about, you know, how do you bring machine learning to bear? How do you bring machine learning and artificial intelligence to bear to make the analysis of that vast amounts of data easier? Yeah. Just earlier this week, I was interviewing a guy named Stephen Davis. He's a VP of technology at InnoData. Have you heard mm-hmm. of InnoData? No, I haven't actually. Uh, so they do... They like clean large data sets to make them work better for training AI models. And they also right. provide like data extraction and annotation tools. Um, so for you could just like load up a 500 page legal document and it can, and it can pull out the data points um, mm. from the document, annotate those and make it just really make a lot of sense in training the algorithm. Um, and also help keep the algorithm explainable as it's running, which is, yeah. I think it's super cool. Um, yeah. And I was just curious, like you're talking about how vertically integrated you guys are um, and you're running your own machine learning algorithms. You're collecting all of this data. Do you have like a whole data science team that's focused on? No, I mean, we, 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 we work in two ways. We, we, we know the limitations of where we can go. So what we tend to do is we have data science team that guide where we want to go. Then we work with best in class partners out there. Nice. Okay, cool. Okay. So it's always a combination of what we can do and what we can buy. It's make versus buy is our critical, is our critical uh, decision. Our, our input is we don't have to own everything to give our customers the very best service. So we've always sort of chose best in class to integrate into a solution. To sort of get us to get us to where we want to go, and you talk about all these technologies. These technologies are invested on by many, many firms. We we work with some of them to sort of bring everything to the fore, as it were. It sounds like build versus buy is a decision that you come across like very often in your day to day. What are some of the key points that you consider and put a lot of weight behind when you're making those decisions? Well, what we put a lot of weight behind is there are areas in which there are vast amounts of money being spent by other companies who have been, who've had a head start for 20 years. They are not in the space we are in, right? So they're not competitors, but we can use their knowledge to enhance what our customers see. So the fundamental becomes how quickly can I bring something to market? Is it quicker by buying it in? Is it quicker by us developing it? How strategically important is it? So if it's strategically important, we may consider part of it being in-house, but always we have a lot of experts in-house that help guide the process. So whether it's internal or external, we have large data set teams, we have large uh, engineering teams looking at this, working with the partners that we bring in where necessary. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to spend a lot of time on something that's not your core competency. Um, No. 
And, and you know, it, it's also being driven by market behavior as time goes. So if, if you look at where we are going now, right, there's a lot of dynamics in the marketplace and, and, and environmental and social is one of them. ESG is becoming an important part of what companies do. Sustainability has always been at the forefront of what we did, right? So, you know, that is driving supply chain behavior and on and product behavior. You know, you want to know where your products come from, but you not only want to know your product is sustainably, it is it, not a fake, but you also want to know that the components that it's made of come from sustainable sources. Yeah, absolutely. That's... So, that's driving through. Sustainability is driving requirements like right to repair. In other words, you don't want to throw things away. You want to fix them. If you want to fix them, you need to be able to buy viable, genuine spare parts. So how do you know this part, the spare part is genuine, right? So all of this is driving certain behavior that we, we sort of hook into and ensure our customers have the ability to sort of work in an ever-changing world as we start to bring our, our products to marketplace. So it, it, it's, it's evolving constantly and we are evolving with the supply chain requirements that come with it. And if you look at the online side of things, if you look at um, uh, products, you know, um, products that are brought to market across multiple channels, right? The, we monitor pricing, we monitor fake goods, we monitor where it's going. We can take down sites that are fraudulent as we come along. And now our network intelligence module, which is in its third generation, because of our depth of knowledge and the number of customers in particular verticals, let's say the sports vertical, we are starting to tie bad actors together. Bad actors don't work in one vertical. <laughs> yeah. Right? They don't use the same name, but you will find that their IP address is the same or their, 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 their server origination is the same, or their uh, uh, telephone numbers are the same, but the name is different. So we begin to map this across multiple industries that gives our customers far greater insights and across multiple channels. So it gives our customers far greater insights as to what is possible to enforce, to take down and to sort of protect um, their IP. So I want to circle back to the supply chain trackings. That sounds super interesting. Is that something that yes. you guys offer as a service? Yes, it is. I mean, we 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 work in two areas there. We work in the in the um, commercial area. We, we we manage licensing and trademarks that allows people to license their IP and then uh, buy tracking uh, by hang tags that they hang on garments that we then trace through the system if they want to, right through to the consumer. We also work in tech stems. Now, tech stems are interesting. We need to deal with in tobacco. To, so, so governments want to license uh, to control its use and, and they, they want to tax tobacco. So tobacco, beer, alcohol, sweet um, um, uh, soft drinks, all of these things, they are tax stamps that have to be put on them. It's like money, right? You then want to be able to track it all the way through the supply chain aggregate and disaggregate as it goes through the various channels. So you might have a pallet full of stuff that then breaks up into boxes of stuff that breaks up in individual packets. You need to be able to track and trace all of this. You want customer enforcement agents to be able to be able to uh, scan any of these using their mobile phone and check how valid it is and where it came from. So all of this, this is something we do. And because we do it for governments, we bring a great deal of credibility to the commercial and enterprise space. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, the governments are definitely going to put a higher bar on the security than a lot of the commercial space. That's correct. I mean, if you look at our factories, you know, we have anti-RAM bars, we, we meet all our security requirements. They meet government security requirements to, for us to be able to bid for government contracts. And we, it is those very same sites that manufacture everything from our enterprise customers to the same standards and to the same security levels. 
So when, when you're tracking these products through the supply chain, do you, do you work with an external partner that's able that they decide along the way at each place where the product stops? Like, is yes. this plant I mean, sustainable? It, it, um, yes. So who, like, yes. who decides it, it, that? It, it, no, the, the, the IP owners decide that. Got it. So the papers who own the brand will decide how much tracking. Some of them don't want anything at all. They want to know it's manufactured and it's sold. That's all they want to know, two endpoints. Others want to know where it is in between. But we were capable of doing any any of these things. And it depends on what the, what the owners want. And as time goes forward, these requirements are becoming more and more sophisticated. And the fact that we all carry a mobile phone these days is actually making it a lot easier for people to validate and scan all of this equipment. If you go back 20, 30 years, you need to have specialist equipment, which makes it even more difficult. That's no longer the case, right? We all carry a mobile computing platform with us most of the most days. Yeah, we're able to scan a QR code, get all the information we need. Well, not just a QR code. You know, you, you can if you can look, look at RFID tags. You can look at non-fungible uh, tags that we can look at. We can look at uh, and encrypted SQ codes. We've got a whole range of technologies. And this is the other thing: technology is there to serve a purpose, right? It's not there to drive behavior. Right, so we use the technology to serve our customers the best it can, and it's a jigsaw we fit together. So our platforms are set up in such a way so you can pick how you want to drive things through, and we have the flexibility to incorporate whatever you want: more security, less security, greater veracity of trace traceability, or less veracity of traceability. All of these are things that our customers can choose, and can build up over time because a customer's needs doesn't stay stagnant; it varies all the time. Yeah. So I, I know earlier you mentioned that you do a lot of work with governments and in the commercial sector. What are some of the major differences that you've like encountered from working with both? Well, I think th there's more similarities than differences, actually. Big corporations have very similar requirements. They tend to run similar bidding processes. They want partners they can work with. They, they, they look for quality of delivery. The difference with, with, with um, uh, governments is they, they, they drive particular behavior in their longer term contracts. With commercial uh, enterprises, they want a partner they can work with and they tend to be more fluid in their requirements. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I wanna talk a little bit about some of the tech behind it and because uh, earlier you mentioned uh, NFTs, and I know that there's a lot of talk about uh, blockchain in general for being able to offer higher security and protection. But I wanted to get your perspective of what are some technologies that you're really optimistic about improving brand protection, and what are some that you're more skeptical of? I, th I think if you look at um, blockchain, for instance, distributed ledgers, distributed ledgers have a have a role, but they slow things up, right? So right. fundamentally, they have a role in certain areas, they actually bring an advantage, but in many areas, they don't. So we, we, we tend to apply these technologies where it is relevant, not because we want a, a soundbite that says we're using blockchain, here, <laughs> right? That's one. The other one is we tend to adapt, uh, take technologies that I'm excited about, RFID in the supply chain is going to change things, right? The ability to um, automatically verify what is happening online is going to change things. Network intelligence, our, our ability to map what is happening right across multiple industries and particular customers in particular. You know, you can talk, you, you can look at a garment for a particular uh, um, um, licensee, and then you can look at what's happening in that industry. Then you can look at that whole vertical uh, and say, here are the same actors appearing in multiple places. 
So if I take this actor down, I'm actually protecting five brands in one go. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? So it, it is that ability to correlate the data that is most exciting me. So data manipulation, data analytics, and the ability to display that in a sensible fashion is probably our most exciting area of development. That's really, okay, this is all making sense to me now how when you are able to take down one actor, you're protecting like a lot of different people across a lot of different verticals. That, that really ties back into becoming more than a sum of your parts, being able yes. to leverage the data from both the physical and the digital assets, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are doing both. Yes, absolutely right. And it's, it's, it's you know, the, the, the ability to link data to form a picture of what is happening is the one thing that, that has changed uh, um, over the last three or four years. And one time it was point deliveries, you know, here's online, here's the fake website, I'll take it down. If you look at it carefully, that is fed by multiple other points and multiple other channels. So we're looking at it across multiple channels now, across multiple platforms, and then tackling it as a holistic problem rather than a point problem. So when you guys find like a fraudulent site, how do you go about taking it down? Is it a matter of reporting it to the authorities or do you have a, like a team of hackers? Well, we, we have the links into authorities. We have an investigative services arm that we're putting together now. Uh, we have relationships with all the main platforms that sort of help us take it down. We have uh, relationships with enforcement agencies that help us take it down. And, 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 and all of these things tied together. I'll give you an example. One of the things we do is fraud. Now, fraud is about phishing, for instance. Now, mm -hmm. most people talk about phishing and say, I'm going to steal something from you, right, Stephen? I'm going to send you an email that pretends to be DHL. You click on it, I'm going to infect your computer. But what we're interested in is the name DHL is being used right across the board. So we protect the brand owner and block it. So, you know, multiple GHS emails are coming from this one server. We'll block that server or we'll take it down. And remember, phishing is illegal. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a mandate that we can go to with the, to the ISP and take that server down. Right. So, so, you know, it is about offering that holistic service. So if you look at brand protection, they, they want the on product part piece of the equation. They want the online piece of the equation. They want the content piece of the equation. They want the live content piece of that equation. We do all of those. So when you find people that are counterfeiting physical goods, what does that mm -hmm. look like to? take them it's very similar i mean we, we, we can report it through we can come up with we can help identify the the, the, the goods itself we will move into investigated services again to sort of uh, talk to uh, enforcement officers to try and take to try to take these things off the market and it depends where in the world you are if you look at the us you know and, and europe it, there are rules that help us enforce these very quickly if you get into other parts of the world it is more difficult but you know it, it, it depends how, how far the brand wants to go do you have any fun stories of busting big operations? <laughs> no, not, not <laughs> one. I'll, not one someone openly talk about. <laughs> right? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's stories that can be told, but not ones I want openly talk about. Yep, yep. So, is it? Do you? Is it harder to? Do you, Do you work with protecting like films and movies from piracy yes, and absolutely. stuff as well? So, so live stuff, video on demand. Yeah. And peer-to-peer uh, -peer are ones that we work with. So, for instance, during all the, uh, the, the, the the sports events that are taking place, we were monitoring those sports events. So if if things are copied and put into platforms that it shouldn't be going into, we will block it real time. We can detect as many as 10 to 20 frames and sort of block it because we fingerprint these things. It's, oh, wow. it's real-time events of this nature that actually work for us. 
And and it's the same with films. It's the same with um, peer-to-peer type devices. So we have technologies that do this live. We have very experienced uh, customer service managers and analysts who sort of link it all together. So to, to be honest, when you look at something like this, what we offer, you tend to think it's the tech. Actually, it isn't. It is how you apply the technology together with machine learning, together with AI, together with the human skill to be able to interpret, together with the explanation, together with linking it together to form a service. It is that whole process that we excel at. And technology is a huge enabler. It is, don't get me wrong, it is, it is the cornerstone of what we do. But this is not, it, it is about the service we deliver. Right. Particularly in the live space. Yeah, the live space sounds really, really difficult because you only have like the two hours that the sporting event is going on for. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and we cover this globally. We have, we, we have, we have live events that take place and we've got uh, people in, 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 in China, in Japan, in the UK. So it's follow the sun type technology. Wow. That's really cool. So um, I'm sure that also really strengthens your team having such a wide variety of uh, perspectives it, 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 it creates challenges. You, you've got to have people who are prepared to work on weekends in the middle of the night. You, you know, you, you have a flexible workforce that's excited by this. You have technologists that can apply what is required technology-wise. And we work actively with, with our customers during these things. So being such a large company, how do you overcome the inertia of just the size of your company to be able to stay nimble and adapt to all these new technology and new technologies and especially new techniques that counterfeiters are implementing because i'm sure that changes really fast well it, it does change and it's something we we constantly monitor look most companies have this ability to adapt if you apply a, a, if you have a workforce that is designed to understand what needs to happen quickly. So we have clear responsibilities in each of the functions. Product management interacts in a particular way. We talk to our customers when we need to. And our customers are our greatest source of information. And to me, the cornerstone of what we do is customer sensitivity. We've got to be close to our customers. We've got to meet their requirements and understand that this is not a, about us pushing a technology. It's providing an exemplary service. So... You've also been around for a long time, uh, like 40 years, right? Yes. So I, I'm sure a lot of your competitors in the space are like new cropping up companies. How do you leverage your experience from the being around longer as an advantage? Well, the, it, it, it's not just about the veracity of our systems. So remember, this is not about a single product that is delivered, right? Here is a hologram. I'm done. I've done my job. Right. This is about here's the hologram. Here's how it fits onto something. Here's how it integrates into the design. Here's how the 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 uh, the uh, covert and overt markings go in place. Here's how the track and trace works with it. It is that whole holistic 360 solution that people need to start to look at. That is very difficult to replicate. There are people who will replicate a piece of it, but do you know what? If you if you are an enterprise that wants a holistic end-to-end -end solution, we are we are one of the very few providers out there. That makes sense. So it, it, it's that that that's the piece that differentiates us, right? And and we stay nimble because we we are divided up into various departments that looks at things in their own right. They own their own piece, right? It's like it's it, in software. It's like running a a, a microservices organized uh, 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 software stack, right? So everything is doing its own thing but working together. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So I want to talk a little bit about your leadership approach at your company being so vertically integrated. How do you make sure, like, how do you encourage a culture of being open and communicating so that all that, these... That's a, that's a continuing journey because we've just acquired another business. Every time you acquire a business, there's an upheaval in the culture and things need to work through. So the, the cultural changes are taking place as quickly as we can. We encourage an, an openness and also calculated risk-taking. We don't get into a blame culture. You know, we're going to get things wrong. If we do, it is, it is, it is analyze, correct, iterate, move forward. And that's, that's, that's the quick this decision-making process that we tend to go through. And we're putting processes in place that allows people to make decisions further down the line as, as much as they can. So it's about it's about iterating to a, a company that is flexible. Are we there yet? We never will be. I've never been in a business that says, <laughs> I'm done, right? We're going to keep improving. We're going to keep taking away at it. And do we have a way to go? Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a continuing journey and it's a journey I'm excited to be on. And you know what? There's a whole lot of new people that have come into the business because we're growing aggressively. And as we grow, we're starting to apply the technologies and the learnings we have from, 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 from where we're launching in, in, in the last two years. We've, in, in, during COVID, we've launched more new products than we have in the last three years because we're pushing the boundaries now to sort of push where we want to go and how we want to, how we want to bring things forward. We made sure our customers were protected and all of these things are important. So would you say COVID was kind of a catalyst for you guys for being more comfortable taking risks and trying new things? Um, I, I wouldn't say it was a catalyst. I think we acquired a whole new part of our business just before the lockdown. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that drove the, the, the requirement to be more innovative, to sort of link together, to start of working, 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 working differently to sort of get where we want to get to. And what did COVID do? It did, did force us to work, look at our work practices. You know, we had to move from being a very factory and, uh, factory, uh, factory and office orientated approach to moving, moving home, but still maintaining our customers. So our factory stayed open. All the way through. At the same time, our, our analysts and our CSMs had to work from home. Now they're beginning to come back in a more flexible way. We've moved. We've moved our systems to allow for that flexible working because we're going to have to. So it, it, it's for certain behaviors. Now, what the future holds, I don't know. What I do know is that we'll be flexible about it. And we will learn as we go along. It's that. It's that learn, adapt, iterate. Learn, adapt, iterate that we'll keep doing. Nice. So how, how are things going to be different going forward coming out of the pandemic for like just the way you operate? Well, I, I think, first of all, we've got to work out how we come back to work, right? And whether we come back to work full time, whether we go to a flexible working model, whether it's a hybrid. Honestly, I don't know. There's no playbook here. So as we went into the lockdown, we're going to have to come out of it being flexible again. It is that one factor that's kept us going, that flexibility. But the complete focus is what's best for our customers. How do we best serve our customers? If it means we're in the office all the time, we will be in the office all the time. So how do we best serve our customers? That's got to be the focus of what we want to do. Right, yeah. At the end of the day, that's you got to keep customer experience first and foremost. That's right. It's about the experience. Actually, you bring up a very good point. It's, it's not about what you just present to them. It's about the experience they have in you in interacting with you as a business, the technology gives them the advantages that they want and the insights and the analysis we bring to it gives them the, the, the ability to predict what is going to happen. Our job is to be the front line wherever we need to be. And we try to be that wherever we can. 
are we are we are, are we progressing as we as we want to? I want to be faster. It's never fast enough, but we're going as fast as we can. Yeah, and I love when I hear things from different people that just line up exactly, and I know it as a truth at that point. Because mm. um, a little while ago we had on Colleen, the CIO of Zendesk, and she was talking right. about how she's always incredibly focused on customer experience and a great way to get there is by first making your employee experience as good as possible. And then in turn, they will improve the customer experience because they're happy and engaged. And it sounds like you're also really focused on both of those things. And that just, it's just a recipe for success. Yes. I mean, we, we, we're going through an integration. We're going through a, 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 a cultural change as we sort of work our way through as we become more and more of a software business. Because, you know, a, 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 a great part of our revenue now is software-based. And and we're becoming a software company. So the dynamics of what we do needs to change. And therefore, there's a cultural change going on. And this is something that is gathering momentum as we start to work our way forward. Um, and 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 we work across a huge part of the globe which is exposing us to different cultural um, uh, nuances and, and ability to be flexible. And do you know what? All of this adds to our ability to be global. Yeah. So when when you open into a new part of the globe, um, what's your strategy for learning the work culture and uh, making sure your employees that you hire there are feeling welcome in the, in the company as a whole? Well, it, it, that's always a very difficult thing to do. And, 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 and what we tend to do, I mean, we just opened up offices in Vietnam, we, we're looking at India, we're looking at other other parts of the world. As we do that, it's finding the leaders that lead the site. That's the most important thing you need to do. So once you find the leaders, that sets the culture for the site and sort of keeps things going. I've, I've, I've We've hired a, a, a CHRO that's driving sort of uh, uh, the, the normal disciplines of HR within a business. You know, he, he, here are the job hierarchies. Here's how we learning, learning and development is becoming a key to what we do as we start to work our way forward. How do we keep our employees constantly engaged in learning, right? So all of these things are, and, and how do you reward them when we all do well? We either all do well together or we don't. Exactly. So speaking of learning and development, um, if you were to provide like the best leadership training possible for your direct reports, what would the f first and foremost one or two concepts be? What would I gain from my experience? One, it's about honesty. And and what do I mean by honesty? I don't mean, you know, you're stealing something. I'm talking about honesty in delivering a message. In other words, say it as it is, deliver on your promises, right? And And when you can't, ask for help. So if you follow those principles, I think you'll be fine, right? It, it, as a leader, honesty is probably the, your, your strongest element. Yeah. Right? Now, people can mistake honesty. You're very direct. I tend to be direct because I'd rather say it as it is, right? But nothing is ever negative. You know, everything is about managing your way out of an issue. So it's about stating the problem talking through what needs to happen to, to put it right, and then calmly working your way forward. Yeah, when you're being honest and transparent, it's not about whether something's positive or negative. You're just stating the facts and yes. keeping yeah. everyone on the same page so that they can best address the problem at hand or best move the company forward. Yeah, I mean, you know the saying, right? There's no such thing as bad news or good news. That's just early or late. 
<laughs> no, I have, I have not. I've not heard that before. That yes, makes a lot of sense, though. Yes. So, so you know, yeah, sorry. On, sorry. So I was just going to ask, what are you learning right now as a leader? I'm I'm, I'm learning that as a business, a business is infinitely flexible if you lead it correctly, right? And and I, when I look back at what COVID has taught us to do. I'm, I'm amazed by what the team has achieved. It's not me. I, I provide direction, but it's the team that's done all of this. So I'm amazed by what my staff have done. I'm, I'm eternally grateful. They are the ones that, may, that are making this happen and taking it to the next level. We now need to focus on where our future goes as we start to grow even further. So the, things, the, 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 the thing I've learned is, one, if, if, if you focus on, on the customer and get your staff rallying around it, you will come through almost any adver any adversity. Two, as you start to integrate technology, and technology is what we were doing. We integrated a whole new business during COVID, right? And this couldn't be done without communication. And do you know, I was just thinking, if this had happened 25 years ago without video conferencing, without all the technologies we have now, it would be a very different outcome. Yeah. The technologies that have enabled us to do what we need to do are astounding. It will therefore inform us as we come out of this, do we go back to that, I'm going to go and visit the US every three weeks or I'm going to go and visit the VX, the US. I don't think we will. I think the technology, it has forced us to reevaluate how we use technology to, to drive where we want to go to without going back to the old behaviors that we have. And we'll have to evaluate where this takes us. Yeah, I mean, if you can avoid tons of travel expenses and time spent on planes, why wouldn't you? Like, yeah. if, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, right? I think the human touch is important. So right. what we're doing now where there's no travel at all doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it's not sustainable long-term to not travel at all. But yeah. it is really, hap really great to see that we can do it less. <laughs> yes. That's correct. I think that, that that's a, that's a good way of putting it. That traveling as much as we used to um, doesn't need to go back to what it was. But at the same time, I think there's a bit of catching up to do because for, for a year there's been no travel, so I think there'll be a bump where we're all trying to get get caught up, as it were. <laughs> yeah, nothing's ever linear. It's always no, ups no. And it's, downs. It's, it's always yeah. It always goes up and down. But that's the way it's going to be. So you mentioned that we're as, as we're coming out of the pandemic, you're finally able to look forward to the future and figure out what to do next. What are you really excited about for the future? I'm excited about how we're going to apply the, 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 the new products that we're bringing out is going to link everything together. And I'm excited about how we're going to be driving that vision as we start to work out. Our, the 360 view of brand is what I'm excited about because this is truly beginning to take shape. We're beginning to link the data that we want. We're beginning to put uh, online and offline together. Our customers are beginning to see how that works for them. It is putting that, bringing that vision to life that I'm really excited about. And, and it's, it's, it's driven by technology, by process, by capabilities, by, uh, by, by what our customers are seeing. It's a combination of all these things and all of these things are what makes, uh, 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 uh differentiates us. Very well said. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that we want to get out there that we didn't get to touch on yet today? No, I think, look, I, I think we are in, 
we, we, are, we are heading into a very exciting world, a, a world where sustainability is going to become more important. Our online presences are going to become far more important. Our points of origin of bits and pieces are going to be And that's going to drive our behavior in the coming years, right? There, there's a time of change. The automotive industry is going to change substantially. And change produces opportunities and risks, but opportunities mainly in my book. And our focus is going to be how do we help the organization go where it needs to go? How do we help our enterprise customers do what they need to do? And how do we drive that, that ESG message through all the way through? Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.